He was on the mission field. He knew what the mission he had from the Lord to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when he made it to Corinth, he was beat up. And sure, his outward appearance, maybe it didn't look so well. Maybe the boldness that he had when he began the missionary journey, maybe he had lost that fire that he had had at the beginning. It had been literally beaten out of him. But the Lord came to him in a vision and said, Paul, do not fear. No one will attack you to hurt you. I have many people in this city. And he continued there for a year and a half. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So today we're going to look at a message that I entitled The Weapons of Our Warfare, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We are going to see our first point, verses 1 through 6, that I titled Mighty in God, verses 7 11, uh, 7 11, verses 7 through 11, not 7 11 that way, of course, verses 7 through 11, belonging to Christ, and 12 through 18, the commendation of Christ. And so, Father, again, we ask that you would bless the teaching of your word as we look into it now. Paul is writing about a specific situation that took place between his ministry and the church there in Corinth. But Lord, help us to apply these general truths that we can glean from your holy word to our lives this day in our ministry. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Belonging to Christ in verses 7 through 11, in verses 7 and 8, the word of God tells us, do you look at things according to the outward appearance. If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so, we are Christ, or we belong to Jesus. For even if I should boast about our own authority, which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction, I shall not be ashamed. He said that we come in word and deed, verses 9 through 11, saying, lest I seem to terrify you by letters, for his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak, his speech contemptible. Let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters when we are absent, such we will also be indeed when we are present. 
Paul is saying, the things I write to you in the letters that seem harsh and hard, we can be that when we are with you. Paul didn't desire to be that way when he was with him. He was hoping that he could bring correction, that when they gathered together, and think about this, Paul was planning to winter there in Corinth. Now, if you were planning to stay somewhere for three months, wouldn't you rather get the issues out of the way first? That you could just love on one another, have ministry, have a good time together. So it's apparent that Paul's accusers had condemned him for appearing weighty and powerful in his letters, but his actual outward appearance, they said he's really weak. His speech is not really that great. And Paul reminded them, it's like what we are in these letters, we can be in your presence. But Paul didn't want that. As I mentioned earlier, any parent, we understand this in the same way. Parents can appear to their children at times when they are disciplining them. They are the authority of discipline to the children. And at that time, it may appear that the mom or dad, that they are weighty and powerful. I can tell you that no parent wants to be that way with their child. Sometimes it's necessary to be that way. But they would rather see their children walk in obedience uh, to the household rules that they might lovingly guide their children in this life. And this is somewhat what Paul was saying. He felt like a spiritual father. In fact, at one point he says, you have no other father but me. He was the one that preached the word that birthed that church there in Corinth. And as a father, he wanted to build them up, not tear them down. And may it be that we would each know that we belong to Christ Jesus, our Savior. And that's the thing when working with other churches, other ministries, we need to know first and foremost that we all belong to Christ. Paul said, you guys belong to Jesus? He said, consider this, so do we. We all belong to Christ. And so with that foundation, let's build upon that. And so he says in verses 12 through 18, the commendation of Christ. In verses 12 and 13, we read, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed to us, a sphere which especially includes you. So Paul's opponents, they had developed these Christian clubs, these Judaizer meeting places where they wrote letters for one another. They compared themselves to each other, much like the Pharisees did, the Judaizers did as well uh, during that time in the church. They measured themselves, evaluated themselves by their own peers, measuring themselves by themselves, comparing themselves among themselves. And yet this type of evaluation, it's never good because it then limits the individuals within that group. Sometimes they think they have a superiority over other people. They don't allow any opinions from the outside to come into their group. And so they, in a sense, close down and limit their capacity of learning. And Paul says, although 
we have accomplishments, although we boast, we're not going to boast like those who are accusing us boast. They measure themselves by themselves. They compare themselves among themselves. But we will boast not beyond the sphere of influence that God has given us, but he said this sphere of influence has been given to us. It includes you to the Corinthian believers. You're part of that. Second Corinthians three verses one through three says, do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need as some others epistles of commendation to you, letters of commendation from others? You are our epistles written in our hearts, know and read by all men. Clearly, you are the epistle of Christ ministered by us, not written with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but the tablets of flesh, that is, that of the heart. Paul said to the Corinthians, you guys, you are our letter of recommendation. The very work that God has done among you proves that the Lord has appointed us to be apostles to the Corinthians. It's not written by a letter by pen and ink, but on your very heart by the spirit of the living God. And so he says, verses 14 through 16, for we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in other man's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere. To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. We need to understand something, and we do this by tying together the book of Acts and 1 Corinthians and what's being told us here in 2 Corinthians. They accused Paul of being weak and his speech of being contemptible. And yet when we tie together the book of Acts, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, we gain a greater understanding of where Paul was when he first showed up in Corinth. When Paul came to the church there in Corinth, he says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 3, that he came in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. We discover in the book of Acts that he was actually given a vision by the Lord while he was there in Corinth, because up to this point in time, on the second missionary journey, it seemed like every time a church started to grow, the gospel started to be proclaimed, then Satan would attack in such a harsh way that Paul had to leave. This is what had been going on up to this point in Paul's ministry. But when he came to Corinth in Acts 18, 9, and 11, I think in Paul's heart, it had been a few weeks, ministry was going well. He was thinking, I wonder where we need to go next. Things probably are are going to turn sour here, and I'm going to have to get out of town and fast. But the Lord came to him in a dream, Acts 18, 9, and 11. In a vision, Jesus said to Paul, Do not be afraid, but speak. Do not keep silent, for I am with you. No one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. 
for the Lord to come to Jesus and say, don't be afraid. Nobody's going to attack you. He kind of tells us that Paul was afraid and worried that someone was going to attack him. And yet God had a different plan for Paul there in Corinth. He was able to remain for a year and a half speaking the word of God to them. Up to this point, he had left one town after the other. And by the time he made it to Corinth, he said, I came to them in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. Maybe that's why his appearance had no boldness. At that point, I think Paul had been so exhausted and not only physically beaten down, but spiritually beaten down as well. He was on the mission field. He knew what the mission he had from the Lord to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when he made it to Corinth, he was beat up. And sure, his outward appearance, maybe it didn't look so well. Maybe the boldness that he had when he began the missionary journey, maybe he had lost that fire that he had had at the beginning. It had been literally beaten out of him. But the Lord came to him in a vision and said, Paul, do not fear. No one will attack you to hurt you. I have many people in this city. And he continued there for a year and a half. Paul shared this hope, though, with the Corinthians. He, he said this sphere of influence that he was talking about. He said, I want it to be beyond just what I'm doing here in Corinth. I want you guys to actually help me get beyond Corinth into other areas. And this was something that Paul wrote. Remember, I said he wintered in Corinth for three months. While he was there, he wrote a letter to the Romans. And in Romans 15, 22 through 24, he shared a little bit of his apostolic vision. He said, for this reason, I've also been much hindered from coming to you, talking about going to Rome. But now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, that was what was on Paul's heart. He wanted to go spread the gospel into the area of Spain. Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey to be helped on my way there by you. If first I may enjoy your company for a while. I believe that's the same heart Paul had for the Corinthians, that they would help him to expand the ministry beyond Corinth, that in his heart he was going to Spain. We don't know if he ever did that. He was released and re-arrested according to tradition, but we are not sure that he ever did that. And so he wrote to them saying, I want to expand. I want to go beyond these walls. That's a good thing. But the glory, he said, Verses 17 and 18. He who glories, let him glory in the Lord, for he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. He who commends himself, or does not commend himself, I'm going to read that right. For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord is commends. We want to be commended by the Lord. So the Judaizers, they were writing letters to each other. Yeah, he's a great guy. Listen to him. Yeah, we love this guy. And they were giving letters to one another. We do that in the churches to this day. Letters of recommendation 
But the true recommendation should be the Lord himself. The call of ministry over an individual, whether it's to stand in the pulpit, to lead worship for believers, to teach in Sunday school, uh, to be that next generation computer person that is able to navigate. You know that's the next missionary field. It's happening now. But we need those people that are able to navigate that field in such an effective way that we're able to reach this world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul understood that approval in God's sight was all that truly mattered. Although people will seek approval among their peers, Paul found his approval was from the Lord himself. The Lord who blessed him, not only approved him for the work, but gave him a ministry there in Corinth. Jeremiah spoke about this, wrote the words of the Lord himself in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, saying, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. I think far too often we glory in one another. We glory in our wisdom, perhaps, in our might, in our riches, in our work that the Lord has given us. We glory by the friends, the club that we might be part of. But when it comes down to it, it's about that approval that we have from the Lord. Many years ago, there was a man who came to our church at a men's prayer breakfast. We had someone uh, donate a bunch of steak, and so we grilled out steaks, steak and eggs, nothing like getting guys together for a good steak and egg meal. And uh, we had visitors, and as soon as I saw that this is not going to be a regular prayer breakfast, we did not do our normal thing our study breakfast, we didn't open any book. I needed to share the gospel because we had enough visitors. I knew I needed to do that. One of the men who visited that day was part of the Masonic Lodge or temple, something my dad grew up in. So my dad didn't grow up in it. I grew up in it actually, not being part of it. But um, <laughs> to me, the Masonic Lodge in Waukegan was a four-story building that was fascinating to run around in as a little boy all these secret rooms and all these places I was not supposed to be in I I searched out every nook and cranny of that place while they were doing their secret meetings I was running around the place but I knew that I as an adult I was not called to be part of that but one of the men had a hat on and so after we were finished I talked to him and said yeah my dad was part of the lodge in Waukegan and so we talked about that, and apparently at some point I shared with this man that, you know, membership in the lodge, and there are many different types of lodge, the important thing is not to be involved in the lodge, and there are issues with the Masonic Lodge. I have written a, a piece on it um, for one of my classes that I did in school. I knew that God had not called me to be part of that, but the odd thing 
For my dad, it was actually the path of faith. It was the path of faith that God chose to use. Um, And my dad would say that he was part of this lodge where they gave him his first Bible and told him in the presenting of this Bible, in this book, you will find all the answers in life. And my dad would later testify, I did find the answer. His name is Jesus Christ. And he later would even preach Christ at uh, some of the big uh, scenes, so much so that they eventually quit asking him to come back because he would show up to preach Jesus Christ and they got tired of hearing that. So he used it for the benefit of the gospel. But the point I want to make is this man, the last time I spoke to him, he was dying of cancer. And uh, I was able to do his funeral and to share this with his Masonic brothers. And I told them, I said, the last time that I, I spoke with Art, that he told me, Pastor John, he said, you're right. And I said, what do you mean you're right? He says, only Jesus matters. None of that other stuff matters. Only Jesus matters. We need to come to that place in our lives where we realize that Christ is the only thing that matters. This man was on, he was knocking on heaven's door. And he realized at that point, Christ was the only thing that mattered. Why does it take some people to get to death's door to come to that realization? We don't have to wait that long. We can do it right now. In the middle of our lives, at the beginning of our lives, toward the end of our lives, wherever you might be, it's Jesus Christ and Christ alone that matters. And may it be the work of our hands would be to the glory of God. When I think about building upon someone else's ministry, Paul said in this passage, we do not build upon someone else's ministry. He had pride in that. Here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, we actually do build upon someone else's ministry. This church has been around, this building, the property, since the mid-60s. Back then, it was called the Gospel Ranch. In the mid-60s and 70s, there was a spirit-filled revival that hit this building that uh, some of the older folks of that day have told me that they went from about 40 to 60 people to 300 in only six months' time. So our church... It didn't seat 300 then. It doesn't seat 300 now. So just imagine this church building that began their first service in a a corn bin, an old barn on the grounds. There was a danger, though. They began to strive with one another. Eventually, the gospel ranch was no more. Eventually, the church closed. Eventually, the building was unoccupied. And in 1992, Calvary Chapel was given an opportunity to take this place. It was a gift to the Calvary Chapel movement. And uh, sometimes gifts can be good. I believe it was. But it was also a hard gift. A building that had not been cared for with holes in the roof, water standing in the basement. It needed a lot of help. But now since 1992, the Lord has allowed us to continue to work that began by other people, a different church from a long time ago, but we've been able to be faithful to the living God 
through prayer and a reliance on teaching the word of God to build up this fellowship. God continues to work in this place. Father, we thank you for the word that you've given us here this day. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to just fall in love with you more and more. We thank you, Lord, for this church body. We thank you, Lord, that this is the sphere of influence that you've given us. And we pray, Lord, like Paul desired for Corinth, that we would grow beyond Corinth. That was his desire for them. Lord, help us to grow beyond these church walls into our community, um, into our state, our county, uh, into the world. And Lord, you can help us to do that through physical missionaries going forth from this place, but also through the online capabilities that we have, through radio that we have. But Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you've allowed us to have this place to worship you. Help us, Lord, to serve you with our lives, with our hearts, all the days of our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.